probably one of four or five hinge points in the New Testament, Matthew 5, 17, this passage we're studying today that help us reframe the law. I'm not going to say redefine. That would be in contradiction to what Jesus is saying, but reframe it and understand it better. It's one of those big benchmarks between the Old Testament and the New Testament that shows us the bigger picture of God that people didn't have before Christ came. Welcome to Study with Friends, a weekly dive into the answers and questions we find in the Bible, the church, and the broader Christian faith. I'm Paige, and you're currently joining us in the middle of our in-depth series on the Sermon on the Mount. This study is different in that it is eight weeks with five daily episodes to help foster a deeper understanding of Jesus's words. If you would like to get the homework, more information about this series, hear past episodes, or access any of our free resources, you can find them all on our website, studywithfriends.org. So we're in week four. This is, this is the halfway mark through the Sermon on the Mount Bible study. That's pretty exciting. So far, we've covered the generalities of the sermon, the Beatitudes, the Salt and Light passage, and now we're coming into pretty challenging passage about Christ and the law. And so some of the days this week are going to be pretty intense. So we're going to set the table with today being sort of an overview and just a general conversation about our understanding of the scripture and what Christ means about the law, what the Bible means about the law, and really try to set a foundation so that we can understand exactly what Christ was trying to say when he said he didn't come to abolish the law, but instead to fulfill it. It's hard. It's always hard to go back and be like, okay, here's what I thought before I did the homework. But just give me your general sense of your understanding, and there's no wrong answers, of the law when, when the Bible says the law with a capital L. What, what does it mean? What's your general sense? The law, it's twofold, I would say, for me. There are what everyone thinks about the Ten Commandments, you know, that's the law. There's also all of the statutes, I would say, that are throughout the Old Testament that are directing and guiding people in how they should live their lives on a day-to-day basis. It's funny because before even this came across as I'm studying in like First Corinthians and things like that, there are times where I feel that when you look at the law, when you get into the the parts that are the statutes and not necessarily the Ten Commandments, because mm-hmm. I think like the Ten Commandments, there's no question that those are things that we should be doing. People get, you know, a little, well, when it gets to things that are, you know, about, you know, how many, I don't even know. Tassels on your Tassels cloak. on your, you know, yeah. things like that, <laughs> or those kinds of things like are we so strict on that? But then even in those, I look at them and I feel that the Lord set it up so that twofold, we would have something that was so high because he is so high that we would have to aspire to, that we can never get there. Therefore, definitely pointing us out that we need a savior in order to get there. But also in that, they are guidelines and thoughts that he's had towards us to show us who he is and how we are made in his image and we're trying to get there. 
Way to go. First time out. First mm-hmm. time at bat. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Really insightful. How about you guys? Well, I pretty much. <laughs> See, <laughs> she the covered advantage it. of going first, Jody, is you, <laughs> you get to say what you want to say and nobody else has Steals already it. said it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I also think of the Ten Commandments, of course, and, and yes, all the Old Testament statutes. There's tons and tons of them. Mm-hmm. How many? 600 and some? 600 and some. That's what I always say. Yeah. That's pretty well defined if you read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. what about you? I agree. I, I was just thinking like how many different types of fabrics can you wear? I'm thinking what kind of pigs you can eat. I'm thinking all of it. Mm-hmm. It's just like. I, no like, pigs. You can no, eat yeah, no kinds right. of no pigs. pigs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I think I agree. Just like, yeah, you think of the Ten Commandments, but I also think of like the lists of like this is how you can this and this and this and this yeah yeah so let me just do a little i'm going to set the table you guys did a great job of really unpacking the old testament law i really love several of the things you said especially when you said these are thoughts that he has towards us and ways that he wants us to understand him better Mm -hmm. because he is a holy god Mm -hmm. and uh it would make sense that there would be a lot of boundaries mm-hmm. around how we interact with him. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. The law comes up a ton in the old, in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. This is probably one of four or five hinge points in the New Testament, this passage we're studying today, that help us reframe the law. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say redefine. That would be in contradiction to what Jesus is saying in Matthew 5, 17. But reframe it and understand it better. It's one of those, one of those big benchmarks between the Old Testament and the New Testament that shows us the bigger picture of God that people didn't have before Christ came. And so when you think about the ways the New, the New Testament addresses the law, what are your thoughts there? I think yeah. of, of Christ <laughs> reframing things like don't commit adultery, but if you look at a woman lustfully, you're committing adultery. Yeah. He really expands on what it means, what the law means, and... You've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say, forgive your enemies and do good to those who hurt you. And he really makes it go far deeper. Yes, that's so good. Mm-hmm. How about you? I agree. And then I also think that it's like when you're seeing it go far deeper, I think it can be daunting. I think that's like one of the biggest things Like that I was like, whenever I was reading this, I was like, okay, this is like, because there's so many things that, Jesus calls us to do and not do. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it feels like it feels you can never yeah. accomplish and, it. Um, but and then he adds, as we will see. But Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Because right. yeah. I was, right. I was, I, I, I was going to say though, like when you accept Jesus, you want to live that way. Yeah. And he helps you live that exactly. way. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And his spirit that lives in you. And he forgives you when you don't live that mm-hmm. way. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad you said that because that's true. Yeah. And we should not say it. Yeah. That if you look at it like a to-do list, yeah. it's, it's going like, to feel undoable. Yeah. Okay. Because so, it is. Yeah, it is. Because it is undoable. Yeah, yeah it, it is. is. And that's kind of the point. That is the yeah. point. And I think what Jesus is challenging us and challenging the Pharisees, the scribes, whoever, is that they're missing the heart of God in all of what they're doing. Mm -hmm. They're doing it to show people, look how good I am at what I'm doing, as opposed to trying to understand why God put them there in the first place. Mm -hmm. And they're 
in essence, slapping God in his face because they're just negating the whole heart of God part of it. And that he put these laws here, to your point before, so that we can understand how perfect and holy he is and how much we are not. And that therefore, this wonderful gift he provided for us in his son to give us a way to get to him. Yeah, yeah. And then also not to negate it and say, okay, well, now the Lord, you know, save me. Yeah, I can do whatever Ooh, yeah, I want. It's like, the, it's the respect mm-hmm. and love that you show back to the Lord for what he's done for you. It's, oh, yeah, it's because you, you want to do it. And if your heart is in it, to your point, it becomes a little bit more natural that you do these things as opposed mm-hmm. to this daunting list for because sure. your heart is in it yeah. and you're trying to please the Lord, which is the main. Problem. And this, it's an inside out program. It's not an outside in program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, when you're saying that, I think like I thought of the verse, I think Paul said it. I think it's just a good guess because mm-hmm. he probably said it, but like when he said faith without works is dead. Did mm-hmm. he say that? James, mm-hmm. James, mm-hmm. <laughs> just like never was James. James <laughs> yeah. at one time, yeah. but that's like a kind of like a, that feels contradictory to what like Jesus says, mm-hmm. but it's about what you were saying. It's like, we, we, we don't just get saved and then say, okay, I'm good now. We get saved and we want to live that way. Mm-hmm. And we're empowered to live yeah. that way. Yeah. So that's the thing that we really have to remember when it comes to this whole Bible study, the whole Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is really Jesus's manifesto for how he wants his disciples to look and, and exist and engage with the world and with his spirit and with the word. I guess we're so inclined to try to control our behavior and it's tied into the way that we feel transactional in relationships. If I do this, then you do that. Mm-hmm. It's hard for us. It, this is, this is the, the gift of, of the gospel. It, it comes at nothing we can do. There's no price we can pay. Mm-hmm. There's no, and, and price or cost being, well, I did this, so I earned my salvation. You didn't. Yeah. But by receiving the free gift of salvation, our human flesh hearts respond mm-hmm. to that love, but also that heart has to join with the spirit. We could want to do it all day long. And Paul did say, I want to do this and I don't do it and I don't want to do this and I keep doing it. And that is so relatable. Because, and who more than Paul? I mean, okay, we're all, we're all God's children, but Paul, right? <laughs> and if Paul can't, how could we possibly? Yeah. And the point is, we can't. So it has to be a conjunction of our transformed heart, transformed by the gospel and the love of Christ, the gift that we got that we didn't earn, and the spirit that lives within us. It's like the maintenance program on our heart <laughs> that's like, oh, oop. You know, yeah. you're turning to the left or to the right. Whoops, get yeah. back on track, the conviction. And sometimes that's harder than whoops. But it has to be coupled together. Even our strongest love and response is still not enough because we are full of sin mm-hmm. in a broken world. Mm-hmm. So sin is inside us, it's outside of us, and it's impregnable. We can't overcome that. Yeah. This is something we could talk about for days. Mm-hmm. It is the core of the gospel message. And it's... So important, it's so important throughout this whole Bible study that we remind ourselves this is not a self-improvement plan. This is not a to-do list. This is not a transactional 
sermon that Jesus is saying, here's the prescription, you check these things off, and then you get your ticket to heaven. Mm -hmm. This is now that you are saved, now that you are my disciple, and remember the whole sermon is... uh, Delivered. Yes, delivered for his disciples, thanks. There's an assumption it's disciples. So it's not people who don't believe yet to say, do this and I will do that for you. It's people who already believe, and Mm -hmm. he's saying, this is how you behave in the kingdom. This is how kingdom citizens behave. This is what it looks like in my kingdom. Mm -hmm. And... Anytime you go to the left or the right or you don't adhere to the design that I've created, even while you're here on earth, you are in violation of the kingdom ethics and kingdom living, yeah. kingdom living. So that, that's, a, that's a balance. And I wanted to make sure that we built that foundation of balance before we talk about this Christ in the law, because Christ in the law, even the early church struggled with it. Yeah. I mean, people are going to struggle with this because it's like, well, if we are saved, then why do we still have to do all those rules? Mm-hmm. That's an easy thing to ask, but we, we want to challenge that and really unpack that this week. So as we continue to build the foundation in your homework, one of the things that we did on day one was looked at what were the two types of Old Testament laws? Moral and ceremonial. Excellent. Gosh, Way right. to read the homework. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so can someone explain the differences between the moral laws and the ceremonial laws? So, moral laws, I think, are... are <laughs> It's um, okay. They, okay, it says the Ten Commandments, but that's what kind of, like, is, like, they're kind of described in, I think. And um, so, like, don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't... It's, it's the things that it's probably, like, that you shouldn't just be doing that anyway. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just don't kill just people. Just don't do that stuff. Don't, right. Yeah. right. Um, the ceremonial laws is kind of what we were talking about when we when we said that we were thinking of laws as the tassels and the no pigs and cloth. Mm-hmm. So, okay, right? good. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Anybody else want to? Yeah, what she, what she, she was saying. <laughs> uh, but as well, you know, in the ceremonial, I also think it's, it's also the Lord guiding us and, and how we should be approaching him to yeah. worship because ultimately it's the fear of the Lord and the respect of him that he's trying to instill in us. It's not like we just can kind of go, hey, right. hey, you right. know, while while we do have that Abba Father situation, we still have to show respect to the creator of the universe. The holiest yeah. of holies. Of, it, of yeah. all, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And so. I think they seem strange to us reading them now, like why does that matter? Mm. But it, it was, it, they weren't just frivolous, obviously. Right. Like right. they were important to like, that's how you have to approach yeah. the Lord. Yeah, and merciful that mm-hmm. he gives us the script mm-hmm. the, the guidelines so that we right. don't yeah. mess it up because yeah. he is a holy God and we are unholy. We're not going to find our way on our own. Yeah. In upcoming weeks, especially when we talk about the Lord's Prayer, we're going to talk a lot about that, mm-hmm. about how actually the Old Testament tabernacle and the boundaries and guidelines for how to approach God in that space mm-hmm. are reflected in the Lord's Prayer, which is perfect a perfect God is always going to give us the same instructions. And these are just two different ways. So we'll, we'll unpack that a little bit when we talk about prayer. But yes, the those would be things like, you know, especially having to do with the tabernacle, 
how you wash your hands, how you bring your sacrifice. So those are good. Those are good. Okay. And then also, too, in some of the ceremonial ones, too, like what you're talking about with the cloth and stuff, if you if you really get down into it, it's like he is giving us guidelines of things like your life will be better if you do it this way. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is how I set it up. I'm trying to give you all the tools you need Mm -hmm. to live a life that would be getting you closer to me. Yeah. Which is the best for us. Marilyn, would you read Romans 3, 19 to 20? And while you're reading it, I'm going to give the group a heads up. I'm looking for if you hear any apparent contradiction in this passage. So listen for that, and I'll have you read it. Go ahead, Marilyn. Romans three nineteen to 20. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who under who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. Romans three nineteen and 20. What did you hear there? I heard kind of what I was talking about before, where if you're just in it to do these things and your heart is not in the right place with the Lord, mm-hmm. that's not going to get you anywhere. Right. So what does the law make us, what does it show us? Shows us sin. Mm-hmm. Right. And what is it unable to do? Save us. Save us. Right. Right. Okay. Perfect. Yep. You guys, you guys have this. Okay. So, so if I want you to read Galatians three, 23 to 26, and we're going to see if this passage helps us understand the relationship between Christ and the law. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith, which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we may be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So does that shed additional light? I always always personally think that when, when, when you put passages together that deal with the same thing, because they're worded differently, it just brings up new different nuances. Mm -hmm. So is there anything there that was a nugget that helps you understand the relationship between Christ and the law? Well, what I wrote on my paper was that the law was, the law is there to point Christians towards their need for Jesus and towards him. And Jesus is here to save us from that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that your translation said a tutor. What, Mm -hmm. what relate, what um, translation do you read from? I think New King James. New King James. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A tutor. I like that. Mm-hmm. Is it teaching us? Mm-hmm. The idea is it's showing us, it's teaching us, uh, but it's not perfecting us. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Okay. And then Jody, would you read any more you want to say about the Galatians passage? I think also in that passage, it points out the fact that we're united in God as well. It says you're all sons through faith. Like, just the last like part of it is you're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Yeah, so we're united in Christ. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, what does that mean to you? Like expand on it. Why did you pull that out? What was it that was appealing to, to you about that? I just, I think that that's important when we're talking about such a heavy thing, like talking about the fact that we're not perfect and that we need Jesus to save us and that we're made so aware of that. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to have the unity of like your brothers and sisters in Christ because you're all going through the same thing. And I think Mm -hmm. it's so much easier 
and so much more like meaningful to go with it with to go through it with other A tribe people yeah mm-hmm. to know that we're all in it together yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that's good yeah. you're not alone you're and not he's in the it one. for all of us yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not just you because sometimes it, it can, the, the word is alive and active and it can feel very convicting. And it can feel very, oh, I'm the worst. I'm the one who's doing the worst at this. And so that's really good. Also on the other side too, it's like, if you like, oh, I feel like I'm doing really good right now when I'm seeing somebody else and I don't think they're doing very good. We're all the same. That's what it's saying. Mm-hmm. It's you, like, you can never put yourself above somebody else. That's good. And Jesus is mm-hmm. uniting us all through his love. So we need to love each other. Yeah. Like it's yeah. so important. Oh my gosh. That's good. So you hit it from both angles. No, yeah. um, I'm no worse than anybody, but I'm no better. Mm-hmm. We're all, it's the great, e- sin is the great equalizer. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. And G- and to your point earlier, if you thought you were doing fine, Jesus doubles down and he's like, you didn't commit adultery, but did you ever look lustfully? Mm-hmm. You didn't commit murder, but were you ever angry? Mm-hmm. And it's like, whoa. Right. You know how many people goes, are killed? <laughs> like, right. Well, it goes back to your heart. It's all about the outside yeah. looks one way, but yeah. in your heart, like no one would know that you lusted after someone in your heart because they can't see that. Mm-hmm. But, but the Jesus Lord knows. knows. Yep. <laughs> and that's like, yeah. well, um, there's a verse that we had to read for this mm-hmm. and it's, it was saying like even the man who's praised among men and is like thought of as the best one is still a sinner and yeah. is in some cases like worse. Yeah. Well, not worse. Hypocritical. Yeah. 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 Because they're f- trying to fake people yeah. out. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's good. That's really good. Uh, okay. Judy, I'm going to have you read Romans 10, five to 13. And we're going to see if that adds anything to our understanding too. Just, I love to, have passages that help rephrase it for us. Okay. Okay, so Romans. Okay, wait, I'm sorry. I went Romans to Romans 10, 5. I went to Romans 5 and got myself That's ready. That's okay. So, okay, Romans 10, 5 through 13. 13. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth these things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down from above? Or, who shall descend into the deep, that is, to bring bring up Christ again from the dead? But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith, which which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank you. It's like the same. Like same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's saying the no difference between the Jew and the Greek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that jumped out at me too. Mm-hmm. Jody, anything jumped out at you? Um, one of the things I, I had written down was, you know, the law does not have the power to save, but to point out the impossibility of pleasing God on our own. We must have a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Period. Yes. Okay, that's a good way to end. Let's let's end day one. Uh, I think we build a good foundation of the relationship between Christ and the law, 
And then tomorrow, we're going to read that passage and we're going to start unpacking what Christ meant. Thanks again for joining us today on Study with Friends. We hope that you've found some deep truths that will strengthen your walk with Jesus. We here at Study with Friends are modeled more like a small group, and we encourage you to find one through your local church. Make sure to find a church where the Bible is taught in every situation. Study with Friends is a completely donor-supported organization. If you've been blessed by our ministry, would you consider donating? Monthly partnerships are particularly helpful, but no amount is too small. We also love to hear from you. You can stay connected on all the major social media platforms or by email. You can find links to all of these on our website, studywithfriends.org. If you've missed an episode and are out on the go, you can catch them on any streaming platform like iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or you can catch the ladies via video on YouTube. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time when we study with friends.